0: I want all of you to get your Bible turned to Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. These are, I don't know if the word perilous is a good description of our times. Maybe, maybe not. They seem like they're perilous times. I'm sure every generation that's gone before us would have said that there was something about their generation that was perhaps more uh, perilous or more urgent than ours, I don't know. It just has a feeling right now with all of the uh, the social issues that are going on. I really believe that the enemy is doing everything he can in this world to bring disunity to the body of Christ and to people. And I see so many things happening uh, that, that is just... That is an attempt of at the enemy to drive a wedge between, not just between uh, where you stand politically, but in the church to drive a wedge. Because so many of the issues that we're facing right now are really important, and and we are very opinionated about those. And, and we could go down the list talking about various things that we're facing today, and there'd be some people on either side of an issue very adamant about their opinion uh, and And God is getting a lot of prayers. There are a lot of people that are praying for God to do one thing and a whole lot more on another side, praying for him to do something else. And God's saying, you know what? When it's all said and done, I'm just going to be God. You're going to have to like or lump whatever because I'm still going to be God. And so... You know, I, I, I watch the news, and I listen, and I see a lot of the things that are going on, and it just reinforces my belief that the church should be the one place where that we can come and worship God and leave all that outside. I, I I wish there was a way that we could do that. I wish that when we walked in the building, we could at that point check in the fact whether we are a Democrat or a Republican or or where where we stand on what issue there might be. Uh, That we could just walk into the room and say, "Okay, at least for a little while, I'm just going to leave all of my political aspirations on the outside and I'm going to walk into the presence of the Lord and I'm going to hear what he has to say to me. And so that's what today is about. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk politics I, I have come here today to share something from the Word with you that I think is going to touch your heart. And so before we go any further, what I want you to do is I want you just to take a real deep breath, inhale and exhale, and in that exhaling, I want you to leave everything, just put it all out. Whatever, whatever sign you marched in here carrying today, with this exhale, I want you to lay that down for a minute. And I want you just to realize that you are in a room that is filled with brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what they do on Tuesday, no matter what they do the week after, uh, no matter what their opinion is on how things should be, but that right now all of us are here because we need a place to just get our mind right, get our heart right, and meet with the Lord. for it. Can, Will you join me with that for the next few minutes? Can we just... See what God is saying to the church. The Lord laid something on my heart before Deb and I. Deb and I went on vacation. We've gone for several days, about 10 days. And even before that, the Lord laid something on my heart. He gave me a verse of Scripture one day, just in my, you know, just it, just a. It was a Bible Gateway verse, actually a verse of the day. As any of you that do that, that get those verses got it the same day I did, I'm sure. And I'd read it before, I'm sure, several times, but it was just one little verse. When broken out the way that it was presented, man, it just really it really gripped me in a way that it had never before. And the verses in Psalms 27 and verse 14. And it says, wait for the Lord. It's an interesting choice of wording. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I thought, how simple the instructions of that. I want to dig into that. I'm going to this morning. I want to dig into that. But how simple are those instructions, yet God knows they must be necessary because in one little sentence, in just a few words, he uses the same phrase twice. He says, wait for me, wait for me. And and I, I started thinking back on my own life on how that waiting has never been one of my strong points. Is there anybody else in here that has a hard time waiting for or on anything? Am I the only impatient person in this room? Seems like my whole life I've been running to get ahead of something. Can you remember when you were a little kid and you went to the amusement park? If you were were fortunate enough, and maybe even as an adult you feel this way. I know if I was there, I'd still feel this way. But if you got to a ride and nobody was there yet, and you realize we can get on right now if we can just get all of them over here. Because you're with somebody, and you're in front. Am I the only one that's I'm in front? I'm running ahead of the pack, and I get to the ride. The roller coaster, there is no line. And I'm thinking, you know, I see all these people, and they're headed this way. And here's my crew, and they're standing over here. Eating a caramel apple or something. I'm like, come on, let's go. Look at this, the line. We can get on right now. We can get on right now if y'all have come on. Anybody else like that? Am I the only one? Isn't that crazy? I would rush to the entrance and look back at everybody else and say, let's go. Because I, I couldn't imagine how anything else could get them sidetracked. I couldn't imagine. Now, that's just how I think. Y'all think differently than me. But in my mind, it was here we have a chance to be the first ones, and nobody seems to care about that as much as me. I know I'm weird, but I've been doing this my whole life. I've been hurrying to be the first car on the road, I wanted to be in front of all the other cars. I, when I was a little kid, I, on the San Diego freeway in Southern California, I would ask my dad, which car's in front? Son, I don't have any way to know. I mean, there's hundreds of cars out here. I we I said, well, f- which one is the leader? We need to get in front of that car. Am I the only one that's like that? I drove him nuts said get in get in front of this car. Well there's I see another one up there. Catch it, get in front. Let's not be behind anybody. I don't know what your school lunches were like. Ours weren't all that great, but I can remember running to be in front of the line for school lunch. Hurry, we can beat everybody. I mean the bell would ring. I'd just tear out of the classes, take off running stuff's going everywhere, books and kids. And I'm just running as hard as I can go to get in front of the line for a lunch that you wouldn't give 50 cents for. <clears throat> but that way I could stand in front and be the first one to get this nasty lunch. I would race to be the one to finish the line. Anybody here play basketball in high school? You know line drills. I would race to be the first one on the line drill. I wanted to beat beat everybody. I wanted to be the first one, beat everybody. Man, that's sick. I mean, line drills are a drag. Ten. Anybody ever run a ten eight four two drill? <clears throat> you know what that was. Ten eight four two was from this from the out of bounds on this end to the free throw line and back ten times, then eight times to half court, then to the other free throw line four times, and then to the far end twice. Scotty, did you run, run those? You had to get to where you could you could run those things pretty fast, you know, and <clears throat> it was crazy. As you knew you're at the end of practice, you knew you were going to have to run a bunch of them. Coach going to make you run a bunch of line drills and 10 8 42s and and yet you still dumb enough to say I want to be first. Instead of, saying, we're going to run them anyway, why not be last? Why not take a break? there's something in your head sometimes if you're geared that way, there's something in your head that just wants to be in front of everybody else. You like the view from the front better than from the rear. I can imagine if you was a dog on a or were a dog on a dog team up in Alaska, you'd really want to be the front dog. can you imagine what it would be like to be somewhere in that line? What it would look like and smell like and everything. I I guess there'd be a reason why the dog want to be the number one dog. Want to be the top dog. Now you're starting to see the picture here. We're in such a hurry, aren't we? You throw something in a microwave oven and then you just stand there pacing. Does anybody else do that? Fifteen seconds? What? Look like I'm made of time here? Fifteen seconds? Are you kidding me? Let's go. Say, Pastor, you really need some psychological help. Why are we in such a hurry? Could it be that by nature some of us are impatient people? Let's ask Deb if she thinks I'm impatient. She suffered with me for 32 years in restaurants, restaurants, in stores, in automobiles, because now I'm the one driving. I'm not the kid in the back. Now I'm the one who treats driving as a video game. I'm that guy that makes you so upset because I fly past you and get that they're the one the road says up here in about a mile that's gonna go to one lane. I'm like, well then before we get to one lane we got to get ahead of all those trucks. So you don't pass, okay, well not on this side, but they didn't say anything about the shoulder. Psalm twenty seven fourteen says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I was thinking about that verse. I thought, wow, that's going to be difficult. That was going to be a tough one for me. I'm going to learn from this. This is going to be a tough one. But while I was thinking about the verse, another couple of verses came to my mind that I think work really well with this one in helping to understand it. I want you to look. It's another place in Psalm. Psalms chapter 126, verse 5 and 6. When I read this, you're going to say, what do the two have to do with each other? And I'm going to show you. Verse 5 says that those who cry while they plant will joyfully sing while they harvest. The person who goes out weeping, carrying his, and I want you to note, look at this verbiage. His bag of seed will come home singing, carrying his bundles of grain. This is a picture. I want you to get this. Slow down for a minute. I want you to see a picture. This is the picture of a desperate and conflicted individual. This is a mom or a dad. Who is going out into a field to plant a crop. But this crop is not a hobby. This crop. Is. To them, at this moment, life and death. This crop will be used to feed the family in several ways. First, they'll eat this crop. and Secondly, they will sell this crop in order to raise money to do this again. This crop must produce. It's not like when you put out your tomatoes in the spring and you think, I wonder how many of them are going to do well this year. This is a crop that has to succeed, because if it doesn't, this family won't eat next year. Do you see this picture with me? Why is this person desperate and conflicted? Because let's talk about potatoes, and you know how we how we grow potatoes. You take a potato and you cut it up into pieces, and then you plant the pieces of the potato. So let's talk about potatoes for a minute. Let's just use this as an illustration. This is the picture of a dad who has a bag full of seed potatoes. He's on his way out to the field to plant those potatoes, but as he's leaving, his little kids are grabbing the back of his leg and saying, Daddy, we're hungry. Where are you going with the potatoes? We're hungry. We don't have anything to eat. Mom and dad here. Are going to go out into the field and they're going to sow these potatoes in the ground in hopes that this is going to produce something so they get to eat next year, not just today. So the children are going to go to bed hungry tonight so that they'll have something to eat this time next year. They'll have a little today, but they're not going to be satisfied. How conflicted. And how desperate now is this parent who's making their way out into a field with a seed full of, a bag full of seed that represents dinner tonight and tomorrow night. And they're going to go out there and they're going to plant those seeds in dirt and cover them up and go back in the house and hold those children and console them until they go to sleep. It says they will. Sow in tears. That's what it means. They're going to take this seed out there and gamble on it. Think about this with me for a minute. Mom and dad are going to go plant this seed, but what if this seed rots in the ground? What if the sun doesn't shine? What if the rain doesn't come? What if it rains too much? What if the crop doesn't grow? It's a gamble. And then mom and dad would be faced with, Wow, we have sown these in faith and they didn't produce when we could have at least have eaten them now but we've given up and taken this gamble and sown this seed for something that may or may not happen because we can't make the miracle of life happen in the ground. If we, if we ate the potatoes right now, at least the children would get the nutrition from those potatoes, but they're not going to eat them tonight and they may not have a crop from them in several months either. But when and if this gamble pays off. The scripture says they will harvest in great joy. So they would sow this seed. In tears. And then patiently wait. For months. Until there's potatoes under the ground. For them to go and harvest at which point. It'll be hard work, but they won't mind. Has anybody here ever grown potatoes, a big batch of potatoes? You ever had patched potatoes? I'll tell you something. It, it, it's exhilarating when you take that fork and you turn over that, you turn the ground over and all those potatoes are on the ground, and you're like, oh, yeah, we got it. And there's a few nasty, rotten ones, you know, but, but man, you start seeing all those potatoes. You, you can you smell those rotten ones right now? Anybody that's ever planted potatoes? I just smell that. That's nasty, man. That's nasty. How exhilarating is when that fork goes into the ground and you flip that the dirt over and there lies on top of the ground all those potatoes. You start picking them up, but here's the thing. There's a lot of potatoes, but they won't hop up out of the ground into the basket by themselves. Do they? So you're thankful at once for the harvest, but now there's a lot of work to be done. They will sow in tears... They will reap in joy. They will work is what it's saying. Enjoy. They'll enjoy their work. They're going to work. But it'll be all right. Something about this work will be okay. The only way I can. The only way that I can. Uh, illustrate this. Would be with. All of those of you. Ladies who have given birth to babies, raise your hand. You understand what it means. Sow in tears and reap in joy. Because I've had kidney stones, but I've never had a baby. I'm told that what I had was as close to it for the guys. My labor was 102 hours. I don't know about I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I know exactly how long it was, 102 hours. Trying to give birth to those kidney stones. Why is it that women would put themselves through the difficulty? And some of you ladies are smiling because you've not done it once. You've done it two or three times. Knowing what this was going to cost. Knowing what this was going to entail, knowing how you were going to suffer. Why would you do that to yourself? Or why would you allow your husband to do that to you? You say, because at some point there's going to be this bundle of joy in my arms that I get to love and kiss and take care of. It's worth it. Yet these mamas know that for a lifetime, they're going to be taking care of these little ones. And that those little ones will never stop needing their mama. I don't care how old you get. You never stop needing your mama. You never stop wishing that you could hear her voice as she called your name or nickname. Whichever one it was. Mamas know that. They're going to give birth to babies that are going to bring them a lot of misery. But they're going to bring them a whole lot more joy. And that's why they do it. So we've got this picture of this conflicted mom or dad who has taken the children's food outside into a field plant it in the ground, cover it up while the kids are crying and hungry in hopes that it's going to produce, not knowing if it will or not. But if it does, even though they'll work hard to get the potatoes, they'll be happy to do it, and there'll be great joy. So far, so good? He says, God says in these verses, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. They'll go, they'll, they'll go to sow weeping carrying a bag of seed, but at harvest time, they'll come home rejoicing, singing and carrying bundles of harvest. So this is God's promise to the sower. What's he saying? He's saying, whoever you are, if you will sow, hear this now, if you will sow a seed, even in the most desperate time, I will make sure that the ground does its job. I'll make sure that the sun shines. I'll make sure that the rains come. I will make sure that the little that you sacrificed becomes a huge harvest. Now, that can be anything. I know most of you right now, immediately your minds go to money, but that's not what I'm talking about necessarily. It can be anything. I ask you this question right now. What seeds are you sowing right now in desperation? It's not just money. Some of you right now are sowing seed. Into a relationship that looks futile. You're sowing a seed into. A job. That. You feel like God told you to do this, but. You're just not seeing anything from it, but God hasn't released you. To leave that job and so you just continue to keep planting seed in in that place. Some of you are doing it with health. You're struggling, you're physically, you're having problems with your health. But the Lord has given you a promise and you just, you're like, you know, I, I, I'm just continuing to believe the Lord. What seeds are you sowing in desperation? And now I'm going to show you how these two passages, how they work. Real quick, are you ready? You still with me? Get your pen out here in a minute. We'll write something down. These two passages work together. One of them says that we're going to sow a seed with a promise. That's going to require faith. Those who go out sowing in tears will reap in joy. So that's faith is going to be the, 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 the thing that ties those two statements together, sowing in tears, reaping in joy, faith in the middle, bring the two together. So faith is going to sustain us because now the first verse that we read, the text comes into play. This is the one we talked about a minute ago, wait for the Lord. We're going to sow in tears and faith in the middle says, and we're going to wait for the Lord and then on the end, we're going to reap in joy. So, if I'm going to be able to do this, because here's how, I, here's how this works for me. I'm the guy that would sow the seed in tears and then run to the front of the line and scream at the Lord. I've done my part. Let's go. Let's go. We could be first if we hurry. Right? So I'm the guy, and I've sown the seed and covered it up, and I'm standing there, and I'm yelling at God, rain, shine, let's go. God's not moving. God knows that everything has a season, that every season will be necessary in order for this crop to produce. God knows there's going to be a season where this seed is going to have to be left alone to die so that it can come back to life. God knows it's going to take a long time. The weather's going to have to be right. The seasons are going to have to change. A whole lot of things are going to have to happen, but he's in charge of that. They will. So I can stand there at the edge of the garden and jump up and down and scream for three or four months. Let's go, God. Let's go. Let's go. Is that representative of y'all's prayers concerning the situations you're facing right now? You're like, I if you're telling me that I may have to deal with this for three or four months and I'm about to go home, I mean, I'm done. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it might be three or four years. I don't know what the season's gonna look like for this situation in your life. All I know is that we have a promise that if we will sow in faith and wait for the Lord, we will reap in joy. So how am I going to do this, though? How how am I going to get through this? And this is key. Write this down. That verse that we started with said, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord. So he he spells out for us how we can do this. Number one, he says, be strong. Write that down. Be strong. I'm going to tell you what that means. Because here we are. We're in between, right? We've sown. We're going to reap, but we're waiting for the Lord. How are we going to get from here to here? Here it is. The first way he says you're going to do this is by being strong. And th- and you say, well, I know what that means. Well, hang on a minute. It doesn't mean what you think, probably. In this context, it actually means to fasten upon or to seize. Be strong. Fasten upon or seize Grab, cling to what? The promise. Mm, I got it. Nobody's going to tear this out of my hands. Nobody's going to take this away from me. Nobody's going to change my mind. Nobody's going to get this. God told me I sowed a seed. Haven't seen anything happen yet, but I sowed a seed. And I am going to cling to this promise until. That's what be strong means. I'm not going to let go of the promise. I'm not going to let loose of the hope. This future is coming. I'm not going to give up on the promise of this harvest. When it's dry, I'm going to keep believing for rain. When it's cloudy, I'm going to remember that the sun is going to come back out someday. When the seed hasn't sprung forth as early as I thought it would, I'm just going to keep waiting. But someday I'm going to walk out there and see a little green sprig popping up out of the earth. But I am clinging to this promise. I will be strong. That's what it means. The verse starts, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Hang on. Take heart. No, what's that? Take heart says that I must be established or fortified in this endeavor. What's that mean? That means that that I'm going to keep believing. Here's what that looks like. I'm going to keep weeding, and raking, and doing my part, even when I see nothing sprouting yet. That's hard to do. You say, "I, I you go you come into the house." You say, I, "I think it all. I don't think any of those seeds are going to come up. I think they all died." Just, out there, just go out there and just. I think it all died. I don't think we'll have any potatoes this time. Well, are you going to go out there and weed? I don't think there's any need in messing with it. I don't think, I think every bit of that seed rotted in the ground, I don't think there's going to be no harvest. I'm just going to go and buy some tomato plants or something. I, I don't think we'll have any potatoes. No, this is the person that goes out there every day. They're looking, they're believing, they're raking, they're weeding. If you talk to plants, this is the talking stage. This is where This is where you're... This is praying mode time right now. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. God gave me a promise. That's all I need. I'm laying claim to the promise that God gave to me. So I'm clinging to it. I'm going to keep working for it. You still with me? And then thirdly, I'm going to wait for it. You say, okay, I do know what this one means. No, you don't. Wait for the Lord. This, is this one's weird right here. This is different. This one caught me off guard. It means to gather and tarry. You got the tarry part right. Tarry is wait. But the gather and tarry. Now hang on. There's a picture here. It's the picture of binding something together. Like a rope. You see in this. Where that you take your faith and your hope and your patience and your trust and your belief and all those things, and you bind them together as if you were braiding someone's hair. They become a rope that is too hard to be broken. When it says to wait for the Lord, it means to bind all of these things things together and then wait. Isn't that good? So no matter what the field looks like I'm twisting together my faith and my hope and my patience and my trust and my belief and I'm in my mind waiting for God knowing that he will show up. Because he's the one that's in charge of the seed, of the ground, of the rain, of the sun, ultimately of the harvest. So here's me saying now in my prayer, God, I have run to the front of the line and I wish you were caught up with me, but I will wait for you. I hope you're getting some of this. Some of you need to hear it. What are the seeds that you're sowing right now? Some of us are in seasons perhaps where we're sowing out of a, a, a season of plenty. Maybe, maybe the Lord's blessed you right now and you continue to sow because you know it's the right thing to do and you've watched what sowing produces. So you're sowing from a place of plenty. But there's a lot of people in this room right now that are sowing in a desperate season. They're sowing from a place of necessity. They're not sowing seeds for a hobby crop. They're sowing seeds in desperation and faith for a harvest that has to come through. God, I got to get my life back right. God, I got to get my money straightened out. God, I got to get my life straightened out. Lord, I got to get my relationships in line. Lord, I got to start doing better at my job. Lord, I've got this and this and this. God, I am desperate right now. And God hears your prayers, and your prayers sound something like this. Lord, I'm broke. I need money. There's a bill due tomorrow. you got to come through right now. And God is saying, okay. Okay. Did you pay your tithes? Well, no, God. My land's how in the world am I going to pay my tithes? I mean, I've got so little seed. I'm trying to. I'm tr-. God's like, you haven't planted any seeds. There's something you need to understand about God. When we sow in desperation, we will reap in joy. But here's how God works. There is no crop where no seed has been sown. So if you stand at the edge of the garden having sown nothing but weeping and crying. Oh God, we need potatoes, we need potatoes. And God said, well, what did you do with your seed? Well, we fed it to the kids. We ate it. We paid an electric bill. I was like, well, I am a miraculous God. I, I mean, I will cause a seed to die and sprout and rain and sun. But uh, y'all, y'all are quiet, but I think you're getting this. That's why it's called sowing in tears. And it's not just about the tithe. What are you going to do about that relationship that is failing that husband or that wife that it's falling apart? You just going to throw your hands up, and quit. Or are you going to sow seeds? You're going to keep doing the right thing, weeding and raking and praying and believing and holding on to the promise of God, believing for that relationship until God shows up. You're going to have to wait for God. Are you willing to do it? Quiet in here today. In the desperate moments. In the broken seasons. Are when you have to hear me. Hear me. This is when you have to force your way out into the field. Easy to go out there on a nice May. Pretty beautiful day. 72, 73 degrees outside sky is blue you got a whole house full of groceries but you somebody gave you a packet of tomato uh, seeds and you're just going to go out there and scout around and see if they grow, that's easy they don't grow so what we'll go buy some tomatoes whole lot different whole lot different when you don't have any money for the seeds and you don't have any seeds and yet you're taking the meager, the very most meager thing that you have and you are burying that because here's what it looks like are you, can you stay with me for one more minute, two more minutes, three more, more stay with me for a couple more minutes it's in the desperate time That you will water that seed with your own tears. Your prayers. Your cries. Your faith. And then God will take it from there. some of you to begin to sow a seed of prayer or faith or time or whatever that needs to be and then once you do that is going to come a difficult season of waiting on God waiting for God waiting for God some of you have, have already planted a seed and you're standing at the edge of the field waiting for God am I talking to anybody today is anybody here anybody here relate to this today huh pastor we are sowing seeds of desperation we're in a broken season and we're hurting we're hurting the kids are crying we're crying and we really need God to come through well I'll tell you something He'll never let you down He's going to come through and you say well man what if I just start sowing the seed today you're saying it's going to be so long I, what am I going to do about that electric bill tomorrow I'm just going to tell you you love the Lord He sees your heart He's going to take care of you He's going to be alright but God's teaching you a lesson right now that God wants you to begin to learn to not just sow the seed in the desperate time but after he answers the prayer that you'll continue a lifetime of planting seed so God has something to bless I'm going to pray for you today one of our one of our members isn't with us today. His name is Lee Moore. And Lee went on home to be with the Lord. And uh, his funeral was here Thursday, this past Thursday. Brad Klein, who is our, our Celebrate Recovery director pastor, Preached Lee's service. I thought he did it an amazing job. Lee was uh, one of our leaders in our Celebrate Recovery ministry, and uh, every time you every time you saw Lee, he had a joke to tell. And he was just one of those guys. He was such an encourager. I was thinking about him this morning in my office, because he's one of those guys that. You know, anytime somebody from our family goes home, I celebrate the fact that they went to heaven. But it hurts, you know, it's just painful. I and mean. when I found out he had passed away, it just, I was just really sad. Brad did a a, a masterful job in presenting the gospel. The next day, Brad sent me a picture of a decision card from someone who got saved at Lee's service. And I thought, how fired up Lee would have been? Because the last thing he said to me in the hospital, you know, the the last time I saw him was visiting at the hospital. And and, uh, and he said, Pastor, he said, you know, I hope that the Lord leaves me around here for a while. Because he said, I've got some things I'd like to do said i want to mentor these young men i want to teach them how to be godly men and how to be good husbands and daddies and uh and so we laughed and we talked and finally he talked me into leaving because i was about to kill him because he had just had surgery and he was he said i can't bear to laugh you i said i'm leaving Lee." he said oh i appreciate it (laughs) well you started it lee i mean how proud he would have been to, to know that. And, uh, it, and and the scene in heaven, you know, Lee, Lee is there, and a couple days later this guy shows up, and Lee's like, What are you doing here? You know? Me, because that's what's going to feel like. It's just gonna be such a quick time for those that are there, those that are there and waiting, for you know, we'll we'll be there in just a few minutes as far as they're concerned, I'm sure. But that was a seed that was sown, and it, and and Brad had the opportunity to get to harvest that at that moment. But that's a seed that had been sown back. I don't know what relationship Lee had with that guy. I don't know if he had been the one that had gotten to to, to minister to him over years. Or, I don't know how all that worked out. I don't, I didn't get that part of the story. But I do know that every one of our every one of our lives, God is giving us the opportunity. To sow seeds that will produce fruit. And it's not for my benefit. But it's for the benefit of everyone else. So whenever I sow a seed in tears. And I reap in joy. I'm not reaping in joy thinking. I'm going to eat every single one of these potatoes. I'm not giving any to anybody else. I'm thinking. How many people are going to eat now. Because we were willing. To plant a seed and water it with our tears and stand at the edge of the field and scream at God until it produced the harvest that He promised that it would. This is what our lives are about. Waiting for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for God. Lord, I want to pray right now for every person in this room. Those who aren't here but are listening. There's a lot of desperate people who are hearing your word today. Who are broken and who are conflicted. And the very thought of sowing seed right now seems ludicrous. This is a time when they just want to curl up in a ball. And wait for the storm to pass over. But God, I pray that you'll give them the strength to go out to the field and begin to sow seeds in desperation. So that a harvest can come forth. I pray right now today for strength. I pray, God, for help and for health. Lord, you know my heart. I pray for these people all the time. and and, And I am the one, Lord. You know I'm the one who doesn't want to wait but God I pray heal them right now God touch them right now God save them right now God bless them right now you know I do that God and I can't help it I'm going to keep on that's how I am Lord I commit this family to you these these are these are my family and I pray for them today that your strength and help and peace would be upon them. Lord, your grace is enough and your word will keep us through the desperate season. And God, that's what's happening today. I thank you for this word today. I pray, oh God, that it will give us the strength to keep waiting for you. And we will be carrying bundles of harvest if we will plant the seed into you. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. And now, this last few minutes here, I want you just to find a place, kneel, pray. Uh, you can stand, sit, whatever you feel like doing. But I really want you to respond to the word. I'm, I, I would, I would ask how many of you would raise your hand and say this word is for you. But I don't, I, I don't need to. Uh, I have a feeling it's for a lot of people and i and, and i won 't need to see your hands based on the response that we 're about to see it 's not for me anyway i I want you to have the opportunity to say god i 'm going to do what he said i i 'm going to be strong i 'm going to take heart and i 'm going i 'm going to tarry and gather i 'm going to do this lord i 'm not going to quit this is a word I needed today. So during this song, I want you to find yourself a place and let's just go pray and spend some time with the Lord. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. God, God loves you. God is for you. God is making you who he wants you to be. God is preparing a place for you. And he's going to he's going to come again to get you so that where he is, you can be also be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. God bless you. Let's pray.